Well, good morning. <laughs> My name is Ron Dozier. I'm the Moss Road campus pastor. I'm just delighted to be here with you as we continue in our series entitled, Who's Your One?, which is all about uh, our congregation being mobilized to live into our mission of inviting all people into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. I'm so excited to be here with you. Thank you for all those who are joining us in person, those that are joining us via live stream. And uh, last week, we were able to, uh, first message and who's your one, and you found out that you were somebody's one. And that's a blessing to, to understand that you were somebody's one. But this week, we're going to be in the Gospels again. We're going to be in the Gospel according to John. Uh, you know, each Gospel, Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, is a biographical sketch of the life of, of Jesus Christ. And John has a very unique unique perspective as he points out some things about the Lord Jesus Christ that are so, so important. Matter of fact, at the end of his book, he says, uh, Jesus performed all these miracles, but these things were written that you might believe Jesus is the Christ, the Son of the living God, and that believing that you might have life through his name. He puts his purpose statement there. So believing definitely has a benefit. And whether we're in uh, the Gospels, or whether we're in another uh, book in the library called the Bible. We believe something about this Bible. It's not a book, but it's a library, and we're thankful that in this library, it's not unlike any other library anywhere in the world, for it is inspired, eternal, and true. So as a congregation, we, we lift it up. We don't worship the Bible, but we do worship the God of the Bible. And we, it's a visible expression that we place ourselves under the authority of the Word of God. Amen? And before I go any further, let us pray. So God, thank you so much for your Word. You said heaven and earth would pass away, but your Word will endure forever. So even now, Holy Spirit, I pray you allow me to preach with strength, demonstration of your spirit and power. For our faith doesn't rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of you, O oh God. God, in everything we do, we just seek to glorify you. Fill us, fill me, fill us with your precious Holy Spirit. Allow your Son Jesus, to be exalted because he is. We pray all these things in Jesus' name, and let all who agree say together, amen, amen. Now, there's a term uh, that describes people who get upset when they're hungry. What's the word I'm looking for? That's it, hangry. I don't mean to get personal, but do you ever get hangry? go too long without dinner, maybe it's just in my house, but somebody's going to inevitably raise the question, when is dinner going to be ready? You ever heard that? I remember I waited all day long to dig into my favorite flavor of Ben and Jerry's ice cream that I had hid out in our garage freezer. Well, I guess I need to find a new hiding place because it was gone. This brother was hangry. <laughs> and you know, our appetite uh, can influence our attitude. And our attitude 
can influence our actions towards others. Because you're not your best self when you're hungry. Snickers makes the claim of being the candy bar that really satisfies. They even ran a series of commercials highlighting the fact that you're not your best self when you're hungry. You remember those? Just eat a Snickers and you'll be back to your, your best self. Well, listen, I'm willing to go out on a limb to say that if you knew somebody who was hungry, you would direct them to food, wouldn't you? Well, if you said yes to that, you're in very good company because in our text today in John chapter 6, Jesus is surrounded by a lot of hungry people and with the help of the disciples, he fed them. You may know it as the feeding of the 5,000 men, plus there are women and children. So the estimation might have been 20,000 people out there that got, that got fed that, that day. But John in his gospel wanted to make sure that we understand and point out the fact that Jesus can provide much more than just physical food. Amen? The feeding of the 5,000 is recorded in all four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. But only in John's Gospel do you get the meaning behind the miracle. So turn with me to John chapter 6. I'm going to be reading verses 5 through 13. When you have it, can you say amen? amen? And it's up on the screen. When Jesus looked up, and he saw a great crowd coming toward him. He said to Philip, where should we buy bread for these people to eat? He asked this only to test him, for he already had in mind what he was going to do. Circle that word test, or just make a middle note about that, that word test. Philip answered him, it would take more than a half year's wages to buy enough bread for each one to have a bite. Another of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, he spoke up. Here's a boy with five small barley loaves and two small fish. But how far would they go among so many? Jesus said, have the people to sit down. Now, there was plenty of grass in that place, and they sat down. About 5,000 men were there. Jesus took the loaves, gave thanks, and distributed to those who were seated as much as they wanted. He did the same with the fish. When they had all had enough to eat, he said to his disciples, gather the pieces that are left over, let nothing be wasted. So they gathered them and filled 12 baskets with the pieces of the five barley loaves left over by those who had eaten. Now get the picture. Here's this massive crowd. They're on a mountainside. They're coming over. Jesus turns to Philip and says, where should we buy bread that these people may eat? The text says why Jesus did that to Philip. It says he asked him the question in order to test him. That word test that I told you to highlight means to, to prove or to, to put to the test. You see, Jesus gave Philip a pop quiz. See, Jesus wanted to point out something in order to point to something. See, Jesus caused a dilemma 
because he was getting ready to show a distinction. You see, Philip said, well, we, we don't have enough money. Uh, we don't have enough. You could hear the doubt in his voice. Andrew, it says Simon Peter's brother, he says, well, hold on, here goes our lad over here. He has two fish and five barley loaves, but then you hear the doubt creeping in again. What is it? This isn't enough to feed, to feed so many people. You see, Philip and Andrew had drawn the conclusion with their words, and it was important for Jesus to test them because it's important for the disciples to come to a conclusion so that they would be able to see a distinction, a distinction from not enough, what I'm able to do on my own, and more than enough, what I'm able to do when I follow divine direction by the master. You see, Jesus will ask us to do something. He'll ask you to do something like share the good news of the gospel. And many times we begin to take our own personal inventory and we, we start to say, well, I can't do it. I don't have enough. We allow our own words to fill our head and we end up following the direction from ourselves, which is not enough. When Jesus is saying, just follow my direction and you will see that I'm more than enough. He led them from dilemma to discovery. Don't miss what's happening in the passage there. They had determined it can't be done. They said it's impossible, Jesus. But even as they said that, Jesus said, well, now just tell them to sit down. And as they followed his direction, the very thing that they said was impossible passed right through their hands. The very thing that they said could not be done was being done right before their eyes. And can you see how the disciples' faith, he was stretching the faith of Philip, Andrew, and the disciples, and he does the same thing with us because if we will simply follow divine direction from Jesus, you'll find yourself doing things that you never thought will be able to be done. He'll take you from dilemma or doubt and he'll move you into, dis into discovery or doing. He says he went on to feed all those people, but we have to make the decision, are we gonna follow the direction of Jesus? Are we going to just follow our words or even one of the disciples following the words of another disciple and you end up with what? Not enough. Are we going to follow the direction of Jesus who is more than enough? See, we struggle sometimes because we're so focused on what we can do as opposed to what he has done 
for us. What seemed impossible becomes possible when we do what Jesus asks us to do. And along the way, we begin to discover some things about Jesus that strengthens us down on the inside. Before I got married, I, I had a hard time with relationships. I was cycling through them. I didn't think that I could, I could be faithful. I was following my own words, things that were filling up in my head. But when I followed the divine direction of Jesus, I went from doubt to doing. And now 23 years later, I'm married to one wife, and I've been faithful to her for 23 years. You ought to hear what I'm trying to tell you. Jesus will lead you from doubt, which you say can't be done, to actual doing. Somebody might be thinking to yourself, I have a problem with loving my enemies. But then you follow the direction, not from the crowd or other people, the direction from Jesus. And you do what he says. And now you're loving people, not because they deserve it, but because Jesus said it. He'll lead you from doubt to doing. And all along the way, you'll discover some things about Jesus that John is trying to point the disciples to. Because faith fundamentally has a focus. Jesus takes us from focusing on ourselves to focusing on him. Turning our attention from not enough to more than enough. Taking us from doubting him to distributing on his behalf. And we discover something about him that's much greater than anything that we were able to do ourselves. Feeding this mass of people was one of the seven signs or miracles of Jesus that John arranged in his gospel. He wanted to make sure that they would see and we would see who Jesus really is, what he's able to do. So we have to come to the conclusion that I don't have enough. Because when we do that, we open ourselves up for him to pour in. That's what we need to be able to do what he's asking us to do. It's a miracle with a message that points to Jesus. Only the crowd picked up the wrong signal because they were overcome by their own appetite. Take a look at verses 25 and 27. See, the crowd has searched for Jesus because of the miracle that he performed, but they had the wrong motivation. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, very truly, I tell you, you're looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, 
which the Son of Man will give you, for on him God the Father has placed his seal of approval. You hear what Jesus told him? Don't spend all your time trying to satisfy your own appetite while simultaneously neglecting the spiritual food that God sent down from heaven in the person of Jesus. Never allow your physical desires to be an end in itself because God has much more for us than simply providing food, clothing, house, car, he demonstrates those things so that you might trust in him to open yourself up to receive the greater things so that we might see that he'll take us from not enough to more than enough because Jesus is king. But what we're finding today in the culture is that people don't want a king. They want a Burger King so they can have it their own way. You know, only Jesus can fill our emptiness is there a witness in the building. That is why the words that Jesus said to them were like a healing balm to me as it relates to the difference between the works we try to do and the work that he does. Take a look at verses 28 and 29. Well, they said, okay. They asked Jesus, what must we do to work, to do the works that God requires? Jesus answered, the work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Jesus said, let me just simplify it for you. The work of God is this, to believe in the one that he has sent. Jesus says, shift your focus from what you can achieve to what you can receive. We must trust and obey the words of Jesus so that we can actualize what he initiates. But when we do that, when we go from just simply doing our own will and words to doing his, his word by believing or trusting in him, which means shifting our focus from us not enough, to him, more than enough. We bring God's heavenly resources into our earthly experience, all because we're following the words of Jesus, who takes you from what you thought was impossible to be impossible, but they still didn't get it because they were so focused on the physical so they said to him, show us another sign. Verses 28 and 29. 
Then they asked him, what must we do to work the work God requires? Jesus answered, the work God requires is this, to believe on the one he has sent. So they asked him, what sign then will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our ancestors ate the manna in the wilderness as it is written. He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, very truly I tell you, it is not Moses who's given you the bread from heaven, but it is my Father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. That's what Jesus declared. He says, I'm more, I'm more than manna. See, both the manna in the Old Testament that God rained down, the little flakes that sustained them while they were in the wilderness, he fed them. The manna and Jesus' miracle of multiplying the, the bread and fish, they were just a physical sign meant to communicate a deeper spiritual truth. Jesus is the ultimate provision. When we are in the wilderness of our sin, he is the only bread that can satisfy our souls. Jesus goes on to make a statement about himself that John wants to make sure that you don't miss out because so you don't live your life only navigating and not enough and move on into to more than enough. He goes on to declare something. It's the first of seven I am statements. And every one of these I am statements is something that only can be said about Jesus. Somebody say only. Only Jesus is able to have this said about him. Take a look at verses 35 and 36. I'm going to read it slow so we can just settle in to our spirit. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. But as I told you, you have seen me, and you still don't believe. Jesus said, I am the bread of life. As I told you, there is nobody else on earth that can make that claim. I can't make that claim. I'm not the bread of life, but I can point you to the bread of life. You're not the bread of life, but you can eat of the bread of life and point others to the bread of life. Those that are in the White House, they're not the bread of life. No other world government or system is the bread of life. No philosopher, anybody like that is the bread of life. Muhammad's not the bread of life. Nobody else who's walked the face of the earth has a distinction to be able to say they are the bread of life. Only Jesus is the bread of life. I remember uh, a couple of years back, uh, a church passed a, a huge milestone. 
partnered with uh, an organization called Stop Hunger Now. We crossed the threshold of being saying that we provided over a million meals. And the reason why we did that, because we understood the urgency and the necessity of people being fed physical food. Well, feeding them physical food is important. Then we have to embrace the activity that John described about Jesus, the bread that came down from heaven. Do you know God is the originator of stopping hunger now? But the hunger that he stopped is spiritual hunger. And because in Jesus, only Jesus, somebody say only Jesus. Only Jesus has the distinction to be the only one as John Gospel describes him, who is the bread of life, who unlike Snickers, I've had many Snickers and I still get hungry and sometimes I grab another candy bar. (laughs) But when I grab Jesus, when I turned my life over to him, when I gave him my life, he gave me eternal life, a life that's sourced in him a life that I never have to worry about going hungry or going thirsty because inside of me, he's planted a bread factory. He's planted a a water plant because he is the only one that has a distinction of being the bread of life. He alone provides spiritual life because man should not live by bread alone but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of the Father. That's what Jesus told Satan in the wilderness when he was hungry. He tried to tempt him, tried to tell tell him to turn these stones into bread. And Jesus said, no, man didn't live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds out of the mouth of the Father. Jesus is the bread of life. Look around you. So many people are searching for life trying to navigate through multiple pandemics to find peace. But I'm here to tell you, peace can only be found in one person, and his name is Jesus, who is the bread of life. So many people are trying to find unity and work against division, but the only one that provides unity, his name is Jesus, because he is the bread of life. Jesus is the only one who gave his life. He was a sinless sacrifice. He's the bread that came down from heaven to provide a life, get this, that's not a life that's not enough because it's sourced in God that's more than enough. Jesus is the bread of life. We're surrounded by hungry people. And we know the only true source of bread. What's his name? You got to say it with more confidence than that. What's his name? His name is Jesus because only Jesus is the bread of life. That brings me to what I wanted to share with you today. And that's this. Only Jesus is the bread of life. So embrace the opportunity to share him with others. Only Jesus is the bread of life. So we must, as you hear about sharing the good news, living into the mission, 
of sharing the gospel, embrace the opportunity to share him with others. Sharing the bread of life is a beautiful picture of partnership between God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit. Remember the disciples' dilemma to Jesus? He put them to the test so they were able to see the distinction. You saw their dilemma. They went from doubt to distribution. You know, every single week, we stand here, and even at Zor, and we recite our mission statement. Why don't you say it with me? You, I think you know it. We do what? We invite all people into a living relationship with Jesus Christ. Now get this. God is calling you and me too to be a part of that mission. As he does, don't doubt, but listen to the Lord and be part of that distribution. We have the plan from God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believeth in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. For God sent not his son into the world to condemn the world, but the world through him might be saved. Partnership with God the Father, partnership with God the Son, who John described as the only bread, Jesus, the bread of life, who said this in John 10.10, he said, now the thief, he just came to kill, steal, and destroy, but I've come that you might have life and have it more abundantly. You got partnership with the Father, partnership with the Son who is the bread of life, and partnership with God the Holy Spirit. For in Acts 1.8 says it this way, it says, you shall receive power, not you might receive power. You shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you. And you shall be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the uttermost parts of the earth. You see, God, that's what this series is all about. Who's your one? God is mobilizing us. It's just not a series of messages. He's motivating us, building an army of people who are going to distribute the bread of life because only Jesus is the bread of life. So we have to embrace the opportunity to share him with others. Get this. You don't have to make the bread. Tell your neighbor, you ain't got to make the bread. All you got to do is direct other people to the bread. He's the bread of life. And the Holy Spirit is the one who opens up the eyes of the people. He's just asking us, follow his direction. Just like he told the disciples. Follow his direction as we lead people to bread. You know, my grandmother was a, she was a great cook. Grew up in a house in Washington, D.C. Loved all the the meals that she would make. And some of them I can still think about now. I'm a food connoisseur, y'all. But do <laughs> you know what I appreciate the most about my grandmother? Even much more than all those meals she ever gave me that were made with love. She gave me a meal that's still feeding me today. And his name is Jesus, the bread of life. I'm so glad that she took the time to pray for me and share with me the good news of the gospel 
so that I would eat of that bread. And the life of God is still sustaining me even right now. Won't it be great when somebody is thanking God for you because you took the time to share Jesus, who is the bread of life? We want spiritually hungry people to have eternal life. And that life is only sourced in Jesus, the bread of life, because only Jesus is the bread of life. So embrace the opportunity to share him with others. Let us pray. So God, thank you for the reality that you are the only bread of life. Thank you that you desire to give and have provided eternal life. So Lord, help us not to doubt, but help us to follow your direction and invite people into a living relationship with you. For you have the presence and the power to open up people's eyes all we have to do is follow your instruction. We love you. We thank you for all that you do. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Let all who agree say together, amen. Amen. amen.